So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that continues to be a totally family-friendly podcast. And I am totally in agreement with that in every possible way. Guys, have you not heard? Palmer's been fired. Pull my d*** out of a donkey and screw me a c- Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that never fires on all cylinders. What we need is a spark plug. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only podcast that steals an Indy 500 ring. Oh, I like that. Did you earn it or did you steal it? Oh, I stole it. Off, off Takuma Sato on the podium. <laughs> Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that will steal your phone and take adorable selfies on it. I think it's all a stunt. Would you have taken selfies if you found his phone? No, I'd have gone to his banking app and transferred <laughs> some money. <laughs> I'm Chikarez, and today for the BFI on South Bank, we are going to talk about the Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka Sakido. Today, we're going to pay tribute to the end of a British F1 career as we discuss Jensen Button. We're also going to talk about the good things that should have come to an end with the last Japanese Grand Prix for McLaren Honda. And we discuss stupid Christian names in F1 with Stoffel and Valtteri. And Jolion is asked, can you think of anyone else? <laughs> that is all to come. And joining me is a motoring journalist who is really, really, really sweaty. It is Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. I'm really sorry. I had in mind I was going to take a nice leisurely walk down here from my office in King's Cross. Uh, but then Matt sent me a message, producer Matt said, can you pick up the equipment? And I thought, ah, a couple of microphones would be fine. Uh, it turned out to be like an entire mixing desk, which I've basically manhandled across London to get here. And alongside him is a man who met his new neighbour. It's oh, Terry Saunders. So the other day I went to the gym, right? Uh, I didn't shower at the gym for personal reasons. <laughs> you know, mainly peanut. <laughs> and um, I got home, I was having a shower, 
and after the other shower, the doorbell rings. I open the window to have a look, like sneakily, and there's a woman stood downstairs, and she hears me open the window, so she looks up, but I'm just there, hanging out the window naked. And she says, oh, this is one of these stories. Yeah, she says, are you Terry? I was like, y- yes. She went, I think you've got a package of mine. I was like, oh, Mrs. Jones. So I kind of run downstairs, and I think I better put something on, so I put a dressing gown on, and I swear I said to her, I've just had a shower, open the door, there I am in a dressing gown, and she looks at me as if I'm some kind of living Hugh Hefner. Like I just hang around in my dressing gown at 8 o'clock on a Tuesday. Actually, speaking of uh, nudity, I don't know if you remember, but uh, I give quite regular updates on um, my neighbour that is actually running a, a porn studio opposite. Oh, yes. You're living yeah. the dream. And, um, <laughs> and I uh, hadn't seen much of them for a little while. Had a, had a little it's break. It's been cold, though, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so true. And then um, Matt rung me the other day, but throughout this phone call, I was watching this woman have her naked body glittered. It was beautiful. How do you apply glitter to a naked body? Do you cover it in like PVA glue, then and throw then the glitter, that, and I then think blow? <laughs> and all the non-sticky bits. No, I think there was a base coat, a lot of glitter, and then a top coat to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Did they wear gloves? I can see that closely. It must get everywhere, like not just put a person who's having glitter on you. Well, if you're doing porn, it really gets everywhere. <laughs> Let's start, as always, by calling on you, the broken spark plugs of social media, as you go into meltdown in Listener's Corner. Now, the big story of the week wasn't the swing to Hamilton in the title chase, nor the demise of Ferrari. No, it was our potty mouths. Graham Fowle says, bring back the swearing, you beepers. Yeah, ironically, he said bring back the swearing, and then he's censored out the swearing in his in his plea. Well, we don't know what he said then, do we? You might have said plumbers. <laughs> Matthew Ristaino said, how much beer did Terry have to drink before he was drunk enough not to swear? Well, a certain driver's just been fired from the sport, so I'm saving my vitriol for that cunt. <laughs> Speaking of which, the fall of a British hero was another talking point. News that Jolian Palmer was given the chop from Renault genuinely resulted in more posts to our Facebook and Twitter than at any other point in history. Josh Stewart said, I'm expecting the entire podcast dedicated to Palmer. I mean, I don't think we owe him that, do we? I would happily, if I had the time and inclination, edit together every interview that John, 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 what's his, oh, I forgot his name already, Palmer (laughs) ever did. And just play it. On a, like, find some pirate radio station and just play it 24-7. Phil McWilliams said, I think this week's podcast should be entitled Palmer, The Glory Years, with an opening prologue from Terry about his regret and sorrow on hearing the news of the loss of his hero Jocelyn from the sport. Maybe, but Phil McWilliam, Are you McLaren or Williams? <laughs> Make your mind up. <laughs> the trouble with this, Phil, great name, by the way, but not enough else, uh, is that our we, we try and do a song title or a pun on a song title. So unless there's a song called Palmer the Glory Years, ain't gonna work. Jolene, 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 I'm begging you, please don't take my team. Sorry, we'll I'm not allowed to sing. We'll work I'm on not allowed to sing, I forgot. Alan Buchan said, Palmer now officially bollocks. New t-shirt, <laughs> next. Richard Stevenson said, the Renault mechanic pounding Hulkenberg's flap. Ooh. I bet he was just pretending it was Jocelyn's face. 
well. He was the only mechanic who actually got on with Palmer, and now he realises that he's been ostracised from the team, and he has been punching everything. That was actually a really funny moment, because I didn't realise that the, uh, the flat was actually broken when he came into the pit, so I thought it was just stuck open. And when I saw the mechanic hitting it, and then it just came off, I thought he'd punched it and broken it. <laughs> that, that intern is not getting another <laughs> week. It's Guy Martin again. He's just going around <laughs> all the team. In the actual race, Ferrari tits things up again as Vettel lost his spark and plunged down the order. His retirement all but guarantees Hamilton the title now, with four races left, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? No. Yes, Why? it does. Yeah, yes. basically it's over. Or does it? But Maybe not. No, it doesn't because of Hamilton it doesn't finish any races. And Vettel and wins Vettel them all. And Vettel wins them. If the same thing happens to Hamilton that's just happened to Vettel, I mean, weirder things have happened. Cass Fox said, if Vettel wasn't the immature little turd that he is, he would still be in this championship. Now it's over. Yeah. Totally his fault. Him whacking into Hamilton at Baku... Uh, him crashing in Singapore, his insistence on being in charge of the spark plug. That's gone wrong, isn't it? <laughs> Cocky little shit. <laughs> Ewan McMorrow said, is it just me or have all Ferrari's engine problems all started since Arriva Ben they began helping out in the garage? Because every time he bends over the car, a pack of Marlboro just falls into <laughs> the engine. Just a load of fag ash <laughs> blocking up the spark plug. Alan David said, Vettel is the new Maldonado as this season he has crashed under green flag behind safety car at the start of the race, at the end of the race. Actually, not even Maldonado managed to crash in that many different ways in one season. That's a good point. Fantastic Maybe research. Been shit. We've never done that level of research. I don't even remember most of the things he's talking about, but I'm just going <laughs> to presume he's right. Because well, now that Palmer's gone, we do have a bit of a bit of a problem. Like, who is going to be our whipping boy? Maybe Fettel should be our new whipping boy. Can we have a successful whipping boy? Who is the most next most hated driver? You got after All the Palmer. other drivers hate Magnussen, apparently, but I quite like him. Yeah, well, it's making me more. He's a bit fighty. It's making me really hate Grosjean. Grosjean has a been. A, he's a bit moany at now, isn't yeah. he? Are you, I went through a phase of like he's a liability, and then I was like, actually, he's quite good. And now he's just like he just moans all the time. Did you see the Suzuka team briefing? Fill me in. He basically just bitches about Hamilton. So, rule number one: you can't leave your phones on the podium, right? I just want to get that ready because anyone could have had that. And. As, as head of the GPDA, I don't want to be the one you come to to say you've lost your phone because really, you can't put, you can't check into your Ryanair flight. So, <laughs> in other news, F1 have been doing some homework about his fans for many years. Bernie decreed how things should be and fuck everyone else. But since Liberty took over, much work has been done to try and work out how to improve F1's dwindling viewer numbers. James Allen detailed it on Autosport, and it makes for quite interesting reading. There's a lot of this. Okay, so basically. Once Liberty took over, F1 appointed a director of research. Matt Boring! Roberts. This has an impact on what the future of F1 is going to be like. So Boring. this is the stuff we're going to have to bitch about later, so we should be prepared. So basically, Roberts, through Ipsos, who are the, the big survey company of the world or something, they covered 14,000 people, seven countries, in the UK, USA, Germany, Italy, Brazil, China and Russia. And they're going to keep talking to them every three months to see if their views change. And their findings show that two-thirds of sports fans, not F1 fans, sports fans, are interested in F1, which basically you can extrapolate that out to a potential audience of 500 million people just in those seven countries. That doesn't sound like very much. 500 million people? No. You've clearly not been to Glastonbury. 500 it's million is definitely a positive It's a lot more than watch F1, F1 at the moment. So if they can get hold of them, that's a good number. The research breaks down these audiences into six segments. The excitables, 
the purists, the sociables, the habituals, the peripherals, and the incidental. What the fuck what is we? this? Sh- <laughs> Sorry, swearing. What Sounds like you're an excitable. Me and Chica, we're going to try and break this down into what we think this means. So, excitables are those idiots that like Jensen Button. <laughs> fuck them. <right? laughs> purists are everyone that goes. Uh, they're the people that like. It should be like it was exactly in the 60s. Exactly how the, it was the best. Work. That's me. Sociables are people, people who go to the pub. This is that fucking Missed Apex podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm chat sure room. they are lovely. Oh, there's a chat Habituals. room. Who, who gives a shit, right? Who wants to listen to people? Habituals are people that watch it because they feel like they have to. I like my dad with neighbours. My dad's yeah. been watching neighbours for 35 years. I think he's like. Oh, the neighbours. <laughs> well, maybe. Peripherals. That's, pr- that's printers. <laughs> <laughs> and incidentals. That's just the music in between the other listeners. <laughs> so, Next. of all these countries, China and the US, unsurprisingly, show the least fans. And so, that is the biggest opportunity for growth. So, we can expect F1 to target those markets particularly. So, expect a lot of US centric and China centric stuff from F1 coming up. Now, it also asked people, what do you want in F1? And the winner was racing at 58%, followed by speed at 48%, and then cars and tech at only 32%. Well, that's a flippity-floppity of what it's actually like, wouldn't you say? I think you're probably quite right, but I kind of agree with this. I'd ro- I don't mind if the cars are a little bit slower, as long as the racing's good. So why don't you watch Formula E? Oh, got ya! I'll be honest, the racing's not that good. You wouldn't know, you never watched it. Yeah. Now, according to James <laughs> Allen, who wrote this story on Autosport, all of this research backs up what uh, Chase Carey and Short Branch have been saying since day one. Oh, what, the, the James Allen's right on their fucking asses? That <laughs> <laughs> the best oh, way forward for oh, F1 yeah, is, to get, me a job. <laughs> is to get closer to the fans and bring the sport to them. What does that mean? Well, for a start, future new races are likely to be on street tracks, as in Singapore, rather than at purpose-built circuits like South Korea and India. Which I, in theory, am all for, although I'm not quite sure how that promotes better racing. But that's weird, quoting two of the shit circuits that have been built. What about the good ones that have been built? What are the good recent ones? Belgium, Monza, (laughs) Silverstone. The Tilka's finest. (laughs) I mean, I'm talking recent in archaeological (laughs) terms. I mean, yeah, compared to the foundation of the human race, I suppose, yeah. So, F1 bigwigs Ross Braun and Chase Carey are likely to present teams with their post-2020 plans this November. These are expected to include details of a cost cap, a framework for new technical and sporting regulations, idea about the future distribution of FOM money, and so on. All of which sounds quite sensible. It sounds like... Who gives a shit? (laughs) Well, we'll be talking about it, I'm sure. It sounds like there's a general consensus on budget reduction, which will be heading towards a a ceiling of $150-$160 million, going down by about $20 million over five years for the big teams, that is Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bulls, maybe as soon as 2019. This is communism. This is communism. This is something they've been talking about for years. They talked about a budget cap years ago. And it never happened. Christian Horner especially, but a lot of others, kind of made the point of these are all private companies and you can't just demand you go into their accounts. So Mercedes will have 150 million on their F1 team, but there'll be a special budget on the Mercedes-Benz thing that they'll be like, well, you can't see that, it's competitive. It's just that email budget, it's $300 million. Yeah, but by the way, this $300 million just happens to find its way in the Formula Petty 1 Petty cash. Yeah, so it's well, never going to work. I'm sure all this is going to be uh, thrashed out, but there, there are signs, apparently, that Mercedes and Red Bull are okay with this, but nobody is quite clear on what Ferrari thinks about yes, it. Yes, they are. We know. Ferrari doesn't say anything. Well, the fear is that Sergio Marchione, the big boss at Ferrari, might use the Ferrari veto if things get difficult. You say that like the Ferrari veto is a physical thing. It's like, I mean, it might as well be. Unlock. Right, we need two people to unlock the safe at once. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out the Ferrari veto. <laughs> Put it where we normally keep the spark plugs. We don't need those. 
So James Allen basically says this, there's clearly going to be a fight. So many teams believe this should happen as soon as possible. So everything can be sorted out well ahead of 2020. I don't believe for a second that's going to happen. I think there's going to be another several years of hilarious soap opera infighting, which we can uh, watch and take the piss out of. The official FF1S word, sorry, I speak for all of us, is screw you, Ferrari, bugger off. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at for f one sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S or you can email us at wrong at FF1S.com. time for the teams let's start with Mercedes Hamilton smashed the track record at Suzuka and Bottas really tried hard to get behind him with a bit of skill and a lot of luck Lewis now has a 59 point lead is he the 2017 world champion yes, yes. not yet and he could in theory win it in Austin if he I think if he he wins and Fettel comes fifth or below which given the way Ferrari have gone recently isn't Unlikely. Did you see uh, Bottas's teammanship when he just moved over yeah, to that Hamilton like a good little Who else bitch. would do that? Nobody. Do you know what? If I was Lewis Hamilton, when I do the Christmas cards this year, my Christmas card for Bottas would just be that on a picture, going, thanks, mate. <laughs> Is Apparently, Mercedes changed Hamilton's sixth-cylinder spark plug in Park Ferme ahead of the Japanese Grand Prix, whereas Ferrari left Vettel's car untouched. That is a good fact. Hang so, on, but I thought you weren't allowed to touch the car. I think Park spark Ferme. plugs are something that you are allowed to actually change. Oh, okay. They're one of the few things you're allowed to change. As, so, ma- as many as you like. Yeah, as many as you like. You, just get, you get a dozen in. You know, they just they, they put them in for ten minutes and they sell them. Go, oh, it's a genuine F1 spark plug. <laughs> and um, why are they allowed to use so many? Well, they can change them because it would be really fucking embarrassing for Formula One, for world champion contender not to be able to compete in a race because of a bloody spark. Oh, run. can you imagine? That would be embarrassing. That would be super, super <laughs> embarrassing. Idiots. Okay, Ferrari. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel's luck had to turn and in the early hours of Sunday morning GMT, it went from bad to fucking cataclysmic when a 50p spark plug either refused to spark or plug or something. Now, after a hasty rebuild, Kimi managed to finish in glorious fifth place. What happened? Ferrari fucked it up again. You know, last week I talked to the state of F1 about we should get all the mechanics hung over because then it would be more interesting. <laughs> Maybe they took you up on your <laughs> It turns out that Ferrari listened to the podcast, <laughs> you <laughs> bellends. I mean, how do you get, get a spark plug wrong? Maybe surely they just didn't set the gap right or something I don't know they don't I mean they're very similar I mean surely I don't know admittedly I don't know I'm not an F1 engineer but I can't imagine that a spark plug is radically different in F1 than in any old road car well I've done some research I went oh. on the Helfer's website and, it, and there's a thing where it says check your spark plug so I put in a Ferrari F40 because I figured about the same thing and apparently, years old, but yeah. apparently uh, you can get a Denso spark plug for £14.29. In, in Ferrari's defence, they don't make their own spark plugs. I think off the top of my head, they're MGK. They are, a Japanese manufacturer. So, so this week's Japanese Grand Prix had wow. the Honda engine doing particularly well, then the MGK spark plugs doing a sterling job. Ouch. And Takuma Sato being genuinely wonderful on the podium. What a <laughs> lovely, lovely guy. So Ferrari have got one of the biggest budgets and the whole paddock, but why was Raikkonen so bad as well? Because he's not very good. Didn't qualify well, and then he had a penalty because he crashed in practice and broke his gearbox or something. Oh, so yeah. he was starting a bit further back. And he, I mean, he climbed up a bit, then stopped climbing. When he retires from Formula 1, that'll be his epitaph. He climbed up a bit, then he stopped climbing. Red Bull 
Verstappen had all the ingredients of another shock win, except for the fact that Kvyat has been unexpectedly promoted back into Toro Rosso for the next race. So that and the superior Mercedes engine at the back of Lewis's car meant that he had to settle for second. And with Danny Rick bringing out the podium rear, does this show that Max has the better of his toothy teammate? Yes, yes. Because the last two races, Danny Rick has been quite subdued straight after the race. Like He's got a podium, but there's that sense he, he keeps saying interviews, oh, I should have done a bit better. And it's like, oh, mate. But this one, was this different? No, that's... that's he's just, always been yeah. subdued. No, he's just, the last kind of races, he's just been there going, oh, I should have done a bit better at the start, all this kind of and stuff. And that's because he knows that Verstappen's better. Yeah. Are you actually admitting now that you think Verstappen's better than Ricardo? No, 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 that's what Daniel Ricardo thinks. And I think it's that lack of confidence that means that Max Verstappen's beating wow. him. I think they're both really good, and I've said before, I think that Red Bull have the strongest pairing of all the teams, in that they're both really good, but I do think Verstappen's just a bit better. Williams, Massa, like us, was dozing off a bit because the race was on so early in the morning, even though he's old now and probably wakes up at 5am to pee anyway. But Magnussen woke him up with a rough overtake and then Lance missed a payment on his front right tyre, which was repossessed from his wheel at high speed. <laughs> what so, happened to his wheel? I don't, I don't know if he knocked it, but it basically just imploded as he went round to the corner. And there was that glorious moment where he basically disappeared in a shower of sparks and it looked like he'd gone back in time, like in Back to the Future. That would have been great, because Lance Stroll in 1985 would have just been just some sperm. <laughs> really expensive sperm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Williams were shit again, weren't they, largely? Is, I mean, come on. But, yeah, yeah the, the little Massa bash with uh, Magnussen was quite fun. Massa bash. I mean, I thought Stroll, when he when he lost it, because, yeah, I mean, the, the tyre went, there was nothing he could do about it. He did do quite well to, I don't know who he was about to smash into. Was it Ricardo? Hulkenberg or something? It was it Ricardo? When he basically yeah, skidded me across and nearly took him after. It was, I don't know, it was a car. It was another F1 car. It was a Red Bull. I was think it? it was Ricardo. Yeah, I was he, really, definitely, he definitely He did was. well to not smash This was about a half seven. I was so asleep at that point that I have no idea what was going on. Well, this is it. I, I had trouble in that. I, I woke up to watch the race and then went to sleep again afterwards. And then when I woke up later, I was like, I can't remember which of the bits I remember of the race was real and which of it I might have dreamt. So I had to watch the highlights. That there. bit where you were driving around naked, that was, that was real. Sauber. Ericsson wasn't getting enough TV time, so he did what he does best and bunged into a wall. Pascal hung around at the back. Is he scared or something? Yeah, Oi. why don't you go and mix with the big boys, Pascal? It's because he's in a shit car. Yeah, probably. He is in a shit car, but he hasn't, apart from beat Ericsson, which frankly seems very easy, yep. he hasn't done much lately. I think that Overhyped. car is, no, I think that car is really Oh, it's a, pro it's a proper dog. He's, they're basically manor this year. They, they can't do anything apart from finish last and penultimate. Do you think next season we could see any improvements? Not for Pascal. He's out. No. Well, not officially. No, I mean for Sauber. Yeah, maybe. they got a Ferrari engine. they got Charles Leclerc. Is it, is it a modern Ferrari Leclerc. engine this time? It's a modern one, yes. Oh, that it's could work. From a bit the then. F40. Do we, uh, they haven't confirmed Leclerc, though, have they? Oh, have they, they haven't confirmed him, but everyone knows. It's an open secret. Leclerc it is I. Yes, we'll be doing that joke a lot next year. Let's yeah. save it. Chica's like, what are you talking about? Good morning. The fallen Madonna with the big boobies. Force India. Ocon was again running third near the star, but after a rubbish pit stop, he got stuck behind Perez until somehow, not kind of dozed off a bit, if I'm honest. What happened? Well, Ocon was looking really good. Ocon was yeah, third at doing one point. All right. Ocon is like my favourite driver right now. On the heart of all of them? Of all of them. Okay. Ocon is the guy for me. Future world champion. Screw this Max Verstappen overhype. <laughs> if you put Ocon and Verstappen in the same car, Ocon will win. There, well, I've said it. 
I could be wrong, and I haven't checked this, and I might live to regret it, but I have a feeling that when they are in the junior formula, they were fighting for a title in, let's say, Formula 3, okay. or GP3, yep. or Re Renault Super. Right, you're losing that. the story. Yep. And I think Ocon beat Verstappen. Of course he did. Thank you. Perez don't care. He moaned a bit at the end going, oh, oh. oh can, you let, can you get Ocon to let me by because he's really slow? Can I attack him, he says. I presume he meant in the car and not just sort of afterwards in the garage. Acid. He's yeah, he's getting a bit. I think he's. It's all get. This rivalry is getting to Perez. Are they both driving for Force India next year? They are. Ugh. Hey! hey. <laughs> Grosjean had another massive crash in quali, and Magnussen got up everyone's asses. Standard weekend for Hayes. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they got a really good no, double points than, finish. Yeah, better than that. It's the only second time they've ever done that, I believe. But at the same really? time. My assertion last week of I don't like them stands. Right. Toro Rosso signs is off to replace Palmer and wanted to show off to his new bosses by binning it on the first lap. Gasly, on the other hand, did kind of nothing and finished 13th despite knowing the track really well. I read this thing. He should have done better. I know. He? I read this thing like, oh, he's in Super Formula in Japan. He's raced around Suzuka a lot. He's going to really show what he's. Oh, 13th. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wasn't is quite. Not quite the finished article yet. Is he going to race in the US Grand Prix in the next weekend? Well, they're saying now that he is. They said, but well, I they said that he was, back. and then he said that it wasn't confirmed. So the team said, yes, he is. Gasly said it's not confirmed. And at the time of recording, who the fuck knows? It's interesting now, though. So next, if he doesn't race, they'll get Kvyat back, and there's an empty seat at Toro Rosso. Well, Kvyat will be there anyway, yeah. That's what I mean. So if okay, Gasly yeah. doesn't race in the Super in the American Grand Prix, there's an empty seat. So who would they get to drive the other Toro Rosso? Jolian Palmer. That's who my money's on. No. <laughs> the last four races of the season are going to be pretty short podcasts because <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about Palmer. Maybe we should just maybe it's, this is where Palmer gets to turn Palmer it around. His final final reprieve. He comes no, in I, and he absolutely scores an absolute blinder. No, I think we should just I'm send one of us out to follow Palmer in real life. Yeah. And just like, like stalk report him, on it. We or saw he could swap in place for one of us. We're in Sainsbury's and uh, Palmer's there and he uh, he dropped some milk on the floor. Mm. McLaren! McLaren shared a picture on social media of the whole McLaren Honda team having a barbecue to show that there are no hard feelings, except then the damn thing wouldn't like. McLaren got half pissed off, but Honda assured them that by Barcelona the meat would be worthy of a podium. That is a very tortured metaphor. Final McLaren Honda hometown showdown. Let's change the engine. Let's put Alonso at the back. Let's finish last. There's I can't remember. How did they do? I can't remember. There was a whole argy bargy where Alonso was like being blue flagged and all that kind of stuff near the end. And he kind always of got gets in, blue flagged. But he kind of got in the way of the Verstappen Hamilton fight. It was a bit naughty, Alonso, but yeah. frankly, by that point, everyone watching was asleep, so no one cares. Renault. Palmer's career died doing what he loved, driving around at the back and not making the points. Hulkenberg was up in seventh when his DRS got stuck open and even this week's celebrity mechanic, the Fonz, couldn't fix it. Hey! Oh, I broke it, sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, are we going to talk more about Palmer? Have we talked enough about Palmer? Oh, there's more to come, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> he was once again utterly unremarkable. To add an insult to injury, he had an engine change, which meant he had a 21st grid penalty, he started at the back. And the engine change was clearly so that next week, Signs could have a clean engine. So that's how much <laughs> they don't like him. They go, all right, mate, your last race. I mean, why are you here? Do you mind actually staying on another couple of weeks? Oh, yeah, why, why? Let's sort of keep the seat warm. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> 
you know, make things that need sweeping up. Yeah, just you know, do bits, tidy up around there. It'll be all right. Thanks it wasn't a very good weekend for them generally, was it? Also, uh, Haas has now gone past them. Hulkenberg is furious. Did you see him get out of the car? He was not happy. Was he's normally pretty chilled out. I know. Maybe he's a big Palmer fan. All of which brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. Thanks, everybody. So it's Japanese Grand Prix. Fernando Alonso famously has a samurai tattoo because he loves... What, Does he? Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, he's got a samurai tattoo because he loves Japanese culture up until maybe three <laughs> yeah. years ago. A bit <laughs> awkward. You regret that tattoo. But his tattoo, uh, roughly translated, means strength in his muscles, intelligence, and force of will. <laughs> not the power of dreams, then. No, he's not the power of dreams. So I figured, if all the drivers got a tattoo, what would it mean? <laughs> this is piss poor. Okay, in first place, strength in my team, force of the number two, Lewis Hamilton. Second place, strength in my spark plugs, and force in the chin of the guy who put them in. Third place, strength in my wallet, force in my dignity, that's Bottas, he's quite rich, but... No one likes him. Strength in my shoe, force in my gag reflex. That's Ricardo. I'm still doing shoey jokes. He hasn't done one for months. Strength in my mediocrity, force of my waning star. That's Kimi Raikkonen. Strength in my everything, aren't I great? Blah, blah, blah. Max Verstappen. Strength in my saving tyres. He hasn't even done that for years, Perez. Strength in my teeth. That's Ocon. Strength in my oops. Sorry, Renault. That's Carlos Sainz binning it. Uh, strength in my mechanic, forcing my DRS flap. This is boring. Eleventh. Strengthening my getting up to pee every night, forcing my hip, that's old man, granddaddy, Felipe Massa. Strengthening my daddy, do I have to? That's Lance Stroll. He didn't want to be a Formula One driver, he wanted to be a hairdresser. So there's something wrong with my brakes, that's just Grosjean, that's all he ever says. Strengthening my balls, forcing my driving, uh, sucking, supposed to be. Strengthening my stoffel, forcing my ruffle, stoffel ruffle. Strengthening my decision making, forcing sitting in a corner and thinking about what you've done, that's Fernando Alonso. Jody and Palmer, his tattoo went wrong, he got hepatitis, terrible. <laughs> Strengthening my everything, a sexy Pascal, and strengthening my will to carry on, the true Samurai Formula One, Daniel Kvyat. Okay, so I've worked out, as you said earlier, that the, a spark plug costs, let's say, around 15 quid on Halfords. So Ferrari are willing to spend that extra 15 quid on a race. So I thought, what if we gave every team a budget of an extra free 15 quid? I mean, this time next year with the, with the cost cap, this will be amazing. But right now it's a hypothetical. But what would they spend that 15 quid on? Mercedes would buy a new ice bucket. They're getting ready for that championship. <laughs> Ferrari, a fucking spark plug. <laughs> Uh, Red Bull would buy a do-it-yourself contract kit from Joe Ray Smiths because they've got to get those two boys tied down on a contract. Uh, Force India would buy one boxing glove for them to share. <laughs> it's your turn, Esteban. Williams would just put it towards Massa's leaving present. Uh, Toro Rosso would just get a hand job for Kavia. Anything to cheer him up. Haas would just get some colourful paint. Just, just you can get you can get like ten sample parts for fifteen quid. Just get some colours on there. Renault would refumigate Palmer's motorhome. I don't know why, I just get the impression he stinks. <laughs> what? Kick him while he's what? No. Uh, McLaren Honda, just a box of turd to leave on Honda's doorstep while they're there. Set fire to it. Oh, won't fucking light. Um, and Sauber, a hand job for Terry. Uh, that's just, sorry, that's private note, whatever. Okay, there you go, thanks, bye. Time for the bit you will be waiting for. Is it the quiz? My quiz! Yes. Yay. And this week's quiz is called Play Your Ricardos Right. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question and then the answer will be a number 
and then the next question I ask you, you have to say whether it's going to be higher or lower than the last answer you gave. Right, OK. Yeah. So, for example, the car number that uh, Ricardo drove for one Grand Prix in Italy in 2011 was 28. Yeah. Yep. Now, yep. the number of podiums Ricardo has had in his F1 career, is it higher or lower than 28? Lower. Lower. You're both right. It is 27. Ooh, is it? Oh, wow. Well, so, Daniel became the first Australian in how many years to win the British F3 crown? Is that higher or lower than 27? Lower. Higher. Phil's right. It's oh. 20. Daniel is the what number Australian to start a world championship Formula One Grand Prix? Ooh, is that lower. higher or lower? Lower. Than what was the, I can't remember what the last number was. Don't tell him. 20. Lower. <laughs> Higher or lower? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> lower. Oh. And the answer was 14. Oh. That's actually less than I thought. Is it higher or lower? The age that Daniel started karting in his native Western Australia. Lower. 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 He's about four. Nine. Yeah. Well done. Now, the points earned in his first full Formula One season 2012. Higher or lower? Higher. Lower. Higher. Oh. It was 10. Higher or lower? His place at this year's Silverstone. So um, it, this is higher or lower than... I'm just doing the opposite of what Phil said. I can't remember the number was. I can't win. Lower. Higher. Phil, you are right. Oh. It's five. Hang on, hang on, hang on a minute. Five. Technically, fifth is higher than tenth. But five is a lower number than ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he finished fifth, which is higher than finished tenth. You are right, Terry. That was a trick question. Hang on. So I win and that point. finally, the number of sisters he has, is that higher or lower than five? Lower. Higher. Lower is oh. one. Just the one sister. Yeah. All of that means the results are apparently 6-4 to Phil. Yay. <laughs> okay, Phil, you've won oh, a carbon fibre coffee table. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Down payment. Oh. <laughs> All of which brings us to the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. I start this week's State of F1 by quoting the late Winston Churchill. My dear friends, this is your hour. This is not victory of a party or any class. It's a victory of the great British nation as a whole. We were the first in this ancient island. This is a very long quote, isn't it? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Now we have emerged from one deadly struggle. A terrible foe has been cast on the ground and awaits our judgment and mercy. He was, of course, talking about the career of Jocelyn Palmer, <laughs> son of the potato head and all round bad potato. He's gone. And to be honest, like any loss, at first it will be hard to notice. Things will seem to carry on as normal as we see that in the next race he won't be in the points. Or that one half of the Renault carriage won't have the atmosphere that someone just farted <laughs> through a dead fish. <laughs> now that he's graciously fallen on his sword, only to bounce off it and land safely on a pile of money and a very tight contract before bouncing into IndyCar, DTM or Top Gear or something, we must spare a moment to truly appreciate his talent. I know... You expect me to mention the times he spun the car twice because of wind or immediately he wasn't quick enough or that actually some other awful excuse. But I've been struck by those who say to me, you don't get into Formula One without being good. And to that I say, I'm not denying that he has talent. Look, I can't drive and I've only been karting once. But if you put both of us on the track, I'm sure he'd finish a very close second. <laughs> but mentioning that he must be good to get in F1, it totally ignores the fact that he's not as good around those with which he competes. 
It's like an art critic publishing a damning article about how Van Gogh isn't all that, and someone responds saying, yeah, but have you seen my three-year-old trying to paint? He can't even keep it in the lines. <laughs> Palmer's problem wasn't that he was shit, but that didn't help. It's because he's a total prick. <laughs> it's hard in F1 to come across as an everyman with your yacht in Monaco, but it's imperative to be relatable, otherwise you fail. But don't worry, I have a solution. It's too late for jolly off Palmer, <laughs> but for any up-and-coming driver, here are my top tips not to annoy me. Now, to be clear, you can extrapolate this to all the Formula One fans, but start with me and you'll probably get it right. And this isn't specifically about Palmer. I can't state that enough. Okay, number one tip. Never admit your crap. You might think this is endearing, but it makes you look crap. Two, never overhype your abilities. You might think it garners respect, but it makes you look crap. Three, never get angry on the radio. You look like a dick. Four, don't be a walkover. You look like a dick. Five, shave or don't shave. Don't have that stubbly shit. Six, don't have a stupid name or a daddy looks like a potato. <laughs> the end. Are we going to talk about him ever again? Who? Is he joining uh, joining the ranks of the unmentioned from now? Oh, God, no. We can mention him. He's provided such good material over the years. If nothing else, maybe we should we should hold him in our memory for that. Well, he's gone from Maldonado to Palmer. We need another laughing stop. Are we going to hang on to Palmer until one becomes obvious? Yeah. I think the fans should vote on this. Who's the think? next Palmer? Yeah, should uh, we have a, we'll we a little poll? Uh, forward slash poll. Palmer poll. Poll Palmer poll. <laughs> ff1s.com forward slash poll Palmer poll. <laughs> poll spelt with a double L. Not P O L. But not Palmer, that's one L. <laughs> <laughs> that is it from us. It's goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye, everyone. We have not had time to talk about our glorious uh, radio debut on Upload Radio. Uh, if you happen to miss it, you can still hear it through the power of the Radio Player app. Uh, if you go to that and look for us, you can find us and you can hear us. So if you didn't get us on the previous podcast, now listen to us via a different internet medium, which actually also features uh, our very own Terry Saunders Hi. Uh, doing a stand-up routine about turbo engines. What a great subject for comedy that was. <laughs> and goodbye to Terry Saunders. We haven't talked about it. he who cannot be named on this podcast being a Sky F1 pundit this weekend. Ooh, yeah. And he was fucking terrible <laughs> like embarrassing like like just like like your dad's got up at a karaoke night and gone i don't really know the words is it gonna be all right just awful like what a utter prick who was it guy who won the championship last year who do we not talk about all right and we'll be back in two weeks time to discuss the american grand prix at austin in the meantime check out our facebook page facebook.com forward slash for f1 sake and follow us on twitter at for f1 sake and a big hello to all the people that found us through Podwatch. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Podwatch with Bill Oddie. <laughs> <laughs> and you can subscribe to make sure you don't miss any more podcasts and to get our lengthy back catalogue. That is all at ff1s.com. Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. Bye. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network. So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.